Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. We are ending a series that we started a couple weeks ago called You Asked For It. Uh, If you were here at Easter, you would have known we gave out a survey and on that survey, there were two questions asked and we wanted your feedback. The first was, when Radiant Life Church plants another location, where would you like it to be? We had some very helpful answers. And then like uh, was mentioned before last week from Pastor Lance, maybe some not so helpful ones like Florida, right? Uh, Not necessarily looking to do that. I mean, once again, if you wanna lose the Perupskis, do it in Florida or North Carolina, okay? If you wanna lose the Johnsons, put it anywhere else and we'll be gone, I promise you, okay? So on that survey though, there was also a second question and the question was, hey, if you could ask a question about life, about faith, about the Bible, really anything, what question would you have? And so dozens of questions came in and we did the hard work of kind of grouping them together. And so two weeks ago, Pastor Angel kicked off this series just answering the question, how do I keep my zeal or my passion for Jesus? How do I just live a lifestyle that is passionate about him and what he wants to do? And then last week, Pastor Lance knocked it out of the park again, talking about suffering. Really, why does suffering happen? What's the role of suffering? And I don't know how it works for you, but like I've gone through some stuff in my life. And so it is nice to get some much needed perspective. So I'd encourage you to go back, man, check out the podcast, check out the YouTube page, go there for all those things. But today we get to talk about something that, As long as I've been on staff here, I don't know if we've ever taken the time to directly address for about 30 minutes. uh, And that is the topic of church hurt. Church hurt. Uh, And you might be wondering, well, why are we talking about church hurt? That's why I would remind you, you asked for it. You wanted this. But, But here's the other reason I think it's so important that we're talking about it is because we all understand that our experiences with church is often a mixed bag. Our experience with church is often a mixed bag. That means that sometimes at church, I understand that what we're experiencing is incredibly meaningful, but there are times where it's also incredibly messy. There's times where church is so helpful, but there's also been times where our experience with church can be really harmful. In the church, you will meet some of the most selfless people People who work 40 plus hours a week and then decide that they're gonna give up their time to serve you, make sure your kids are greeted, make sure they're in a safe environment, make sure you can hear incredible worship music. Some of the most selfless people in the church, but let's be honest, also some of the most selfish sometimes. We understand that in the church, you can find purpose and you can find pain. The church is a place where you can experience a healthy culture and it's a place that can feel kind of cultish, right? Like, let's just be honest about the church. The church, our experience with the church is often a mixed bag because we read in the scriptures that while Jesus is full of grace and truth, sometimes his people are full of hate and lies. That many times there's a disconnect because church can be so great and church can be not so great. And so what is church hurt? It's really not 
a super helpful definition if you look it up because it's so broad. In fact, in the definition, you find that church hurt is a broad term referencing the pain experienced in a church setting. So that means the church hurt, if we just go by how it's defined and how people have explained it, it can be on, on either end of the spectrum. Church hurt can be that I was abused. Church hurt can be they changed the color of the carpet. Church hurt can be somebody lied to me and gossiped about me. And church hurt can be I didn't get my way. Church hurt can be they won't let me do what I wanna do or there's something illegal happening. Like church hurt can be this broad spectrum that makes it really hard to define. And so what's helpful for me and what maybe is helpful for you is sometimes I like to help define something by what it isn't, right? Sometimes what it isn't can actually give us clarity on what something actually is. And so here's what church hurt is not. There's a few things here. First thing is this, church hurt is not a new problem. Church hurt is not a new problem. We would be tempted to believe that church hurt has only been popular for the last few years as we've heard about it more and more on places like Instagram. As we find people who are very publicly deconstructing their faith and deciding that I'm going to now let you know, here's all the reasons I don't like the church, we would be really tempted to believe this is a brand new problem. The reality is church hurt is not a new problem. So let's look at this church. Let's do a case study. There's a church that this man had pastored for about 18 months. He started the church. God put it on his heart to begin this church. And for 18 months, he pastored this church with everything he had. He was a bivocational pastor, which means he worked outside of the church and he worked inside the church. That can be incredibly difficult. And his, the calling on his life though was, he's gonna be the guy that plants churches and then he's gonna raise up teams. He's gonna multiply leaders. He's gonna set them up for success. And then he's gonna go plant the next thing because that's just the gifting that God had given him. So he pastors this church for about a year and a half, 18 months. And it just a little bit of time goes by and he starts hearing about things that are happening in this church that he used to directly pastor, but now he just gives some oversight to. Here's the kind of things that were happening, the kind of hurt that was happening in that church. You had believers in the church who were picking sides about what pastor or what leader was better. You have people saying things like, well, the guy who was here, he's the greatest and the new guy, he's a schmuck. He's not good at all. And then other people would say, well, this new guy, he's here and he's so gifted. That guy's not even here anymore. Why are we talking about him? And it's creating a division between what pastor was better. You have some deep rooted, nasty sexual sin happening in this church. And the problem is not that there's sexual sin in the church because there will always be sin in the church. The problem is that it's going unaddressed. And so this pastor is like, what, is what did I train you to do? We have to address these things. You've got members of the church taking each other to court because they couldn't settle even basic disputes. You've got arguments happening about what kind of food can we eat when we get together. They're arguing over like life group food, guys, okay? We don't like, we shouldn't have that. We should have this instead. You've got other people who are getting drunk when they get together for basically their dinner church. That when they get together and they're gonna have communion and they're gonna fellowship together and eat food, people are getting wasted there. To where you've got some people living in excess and other people having nothing because people's priorities are so out of order. You've got the misuse of spiritual gifts. You've got spiritual pride. You've got arguments about romantic relationships and you have just incredibly jacked up doctrine about all sorts of things. And here's the thing about that church is that church is over 2000 years old. That church is the church in Corinth that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians. 
That church is something that we have in our Bible. So if you're ever like, the Bible's boring, come on. Like, come, come on, right? Like, this hits us where we are today, and it happened a couple thousand years ago because church hurt is not a new problem. But here's the other thing about church hurt is church hurt is not an isolated problem. Once again, the day and age we live in, we could believe that this is very much like a Western church type of issue, that we have churches that are having problems, but it's just the type of church that maybe we sit in today that does a style similar to ours and it's in a context similar to ours. But I can tell you, I just, I just got to hang out for two weeks uh, in a country in Southwest Asia and I got to hear from some pastors, some church planners, and the questions they had rarely had anything to do with how do I pastor and it's how do I deal with this pain. So just to give you a few examples, there's a, a pastor's wife named Vino and Vino speaks very broken English, but it's the first night where I get to sit down for dinner with some church planners. And she asked me this question. She says, pastor, we have a nursery, which is basically like they have a preschool, just like we have. Pastor, we have a nursery. And in this nursery, there's a mother who does not like us. And she talks bad about us to people in the church, families in the nursery and families in our village, which just to give you a picture of what this village is like, it's up on a mountain on a tea plantation and her husband will walk over six miles a day just to connect with people around that village. She says, people are gossiping about us and it's hurting our church. And my response to her was firstly, I said, this will not be very helpful, but thank you because it's nice that this isn't just an American problem. Church hurt is not an isolated problem. You get my friends, Andrew and Jonica. Andrew and Jonica are married. They're pastors. They're living in the capital city of their country. And Andrew, uh, once again, one of the nicest, he's the tallest man I've ever seen in this country. He's taller than me, which I did not expect. And I'm hanging out with him and hanging out with his wife, having dinner with him one night. And she's talking about how when they got married, her dad did not approve of their marriage because Andrew came from a lower class, which in their shame honor culture is a pretty big deal. So her dad said, if you marry him, you're done. We're cutting you off, cutting you out. So when she married her husband, who's a pastor, who's an incredibly nice, gifted, called young man, Jonica's dad cuts them off, literally takes all of her pictures from the family photo albums and cuts her out. And by the way, her dad is a pastor. So a pastor who should know that there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, guess what? He's still distinguishing between classes, even with his own daughter. Church hurt is not an isolated problem. It is not just an American problem. But here's the last thing we need to say about what church hurt is not before we talk about why it happens, is that church hurt is not or isn't always someone else's fault. Church hurt isn't always someone else's fault. This is probably the thing for me that's troubling when it comes to the church hurt conversation is because there is some very real church hurt. There is some very real abuse that's happened. There are people whose lives have been scarred because they've been hurt by someone in the church or hurt by something systemic in the local church. Like this is a thing, but if we're gonna be honest about the conversation, it's not always someone else's fault. So I'll just use myself as an example. Church has been an incredible part of my life, but guess what, guys? I've been pastoring since I was 21 years old. I have hurt some people. 
sometimes due to my immaturity and sometimes simply because I didn't know better, sometimes because my anger got the best of me and sometimes because I was misunderstood. But church hurt is not always someone else's fault. There are things that I have done that I have to own and there are things that I'm sure if we're being real with each other, you have done, you have said, you wish you could take back. But church hurt isn't always someone else's fault. What I, what I realized is many of the times when I've hurt people in the church, it comes back to this leadership principle that I heard years ago as a brand new pastor and I heard a pastor say it like this. He says, hurt people hurt people. Like when we're hurting and we're not emotionally healthy, we're not spiritually healthy, what happens is we end up bleeding on the people around us because hurt people hurt people. It's just what we do. We don't always mean to. It's not always malicious. It's not always done to be harmful. Sometimes it just happens because we're hurting so much that we can't help but hurt the people around us. And this is why it's so important that we pray prayers like David prayed in Psalm 139, where he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If there's anything in me, God, I might have a blind spot and I need you to point it out to me because it's called a blind spot for a reason, right? You can't see it, but who does see it? Well, usually the Holy Spirit and your spouse, right? I don't pray to my spouse so I can say, God, help me to see the things about myself that I don't see. If I'm bleeding on people, make that clear to me. Let me know if I'm hurting the people around me. We also need to understand though that with church hurt, sometimes the pain we feel, yes, it was done by someone else, but sometimes it's the culmination of a lot of bad decisions we've made. So even though the hurt is real and the hurt wasn't done by me, sometimes we don't realize that we're the common denominator with the church hurt that we're feeling. So I'll tell you, one of the hardest things about pastoring is sitting down with people who will tell you about their decades in church and they'll tell you, well, we were here for five years and then this person did something. And then we were here for three years and then this person did something. We we're at this other church for 12 months and then they hurt me or lied about me. All these things. And I sit back and I go, we've got 20 years of grievances towards the local church. But what we all know is this, is there are just some times where sometimes as people, we are so unhealthy that we will, never, we will never attract health. We will never have great interactions with people. And so sometimes what we wanna do is we wanna retreat from the local church where really what we need to do is take a good long look in the mirror and say, what is it in me that needs to change? So what church hurt isn't, it isn't always somebody else's fault. So let's talk about why church hurt happens, right? Because why? really matters. If we don't understand why, we might misunderstand this whole thing here and our entire experience with the local church. So why does church hurt happen? Well, the first thing I'll give you is this, is that some people say they're a Christian, but they're not. Some people will say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not. They are literally wolves in sheep's clothing. And I know it'd be easy to say, well, pastor, how do you judge that? I, I can't always judge it. 
Some people will fool you. You will have no idea until all of a sudden it blows up in your face. But what I know is this, is once again, I'm not looking at the experience of the American church. I'm looking at the experience of the New Testament church. And that tells me that sometimes there are people in the church who will say they're a Christian for any number of reasons, whether it's to gain influence or power or finances, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They say they're Christians, but they're not. Paul, once again, this guy who starts all these churches, he addresses this with some leaders at the church in Ephesus that once again, he started, he's getting ready to leave because his life, uh, he's under attack. People want to end his life. And he leaves them, the leaders of the church in Ephesus with these parting words. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's, God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I... No. Notice he's not saying I'm guessing. I hope this isn't the case. I think this is the case. He's saying confidently, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. What happens if you put a wolf in a pen with a bunch of sheep? The sheep don't win. There's blood. It probably ain't the wolves. It's gonna be from the sheep. He says, watch out. Or even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watching care over you night and day and my many tears for you. The sad reality about the church is it can be really attractive to harmful people. The church can be really attractive to people who do not want to help the church, but they want to help themselves. The church can be a place where we love and honor people so much that many times we're not willing to be honest about who they are. So why does church hurt happen? Well, church hurt happens because some people say they're Christians, but they're not. And if you think this is once again, still an old problem, think about this. This week, there was a family in Florida that was convicted based on crimes they committed back in 2020 because this family made over a million dollars pretending to be a Christian ministry selling a miracle mineral solution. This ministry is saying, you wanna be safe and healthy and whole? Here's this miracle mineral solution, over a million dollars, guys. And all they were doing was selling bleach just lying to people. You know what that tells me? Is that there's a million dollars worth of people potentially who would say they've experienced church hurt, but it wasn't the church. It wasn't a real ministry. It's just wolves. Some people are Christians or say they're Christians, but they're not. The second reason why church hurt happens is some people are Christians, but they're immature. They're not mature. This happens, right? Like these are people who don't mean to hurt somebody. They're just immature and don't know any better, right? Like you think about like, I've got two young boys and they're growing all the time. And so when they're swinging and doing different things, they don't realize that if I do this, my hand is gonna connect with my brother's face. It just happens, right? Because they're immature. They're not mature yet. They don't know what they don't know. And there are people in the church many times who are not trying to be harmful, but in their lack of maturity, they're sometimes not even helpful. And that doesn't mean not to try. That just means that, hey, we have to understand that in the local church, we're gonna have different people at different points and places in their relationship with Jesus. And we have to make room for immature people. And for those in the room who would say, I'm mature, you have to make sure that you understand that on a greater level. 
that there are gonna be people who disappoint you. There are gonna be people who say one thing and do another. There are gonna be people who in their immaturity make a mess. This is just what happens. So the writer of Hebrews addresses it like this in Hebrews chapter five, starting in verse 11. He says, there is much more we would like to say about this, talking about these incredible things about Jesus and who he is and what he does, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. I'll be honest, I read that and I go, man, that sounds harsh. But can we also be honest, how many times have you wanted to say something like that and just didn't have the courage, right? He's like, you're spiritually dull, you don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. We need to make room for immature people, but we also need a culture of challenge that helps immature people mature. We need to be people who are saying, yes, we're gonna make allowances for your immaturity, but we're also not gonna pretend that it's not there. We're gonna actually talk about it because some people are dull, some people don't listen, some people are not where they should be by now, but we're here as a community, right, to help because we're better together. So some people say they're Christians and they're not. Some people are Christians, but they're not mature. And their other reality of why church art happens is this, is all people are imperfect. All people are imperfect. There's not a single person sitting in this room that has not sinned, that has not made a mistake. This is why Paul writes, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or God's standard for his people. We all have sinned, we're all imperfect. This is why I love to use the phrase when I'm talking about difficult people or difficult situations. In fact, you might hear me say this sometimes, walk around the lobby. I'll just say this, people are neat. People are neat. Like, cause there's just times, let's be real. There's just times where you go like, why would you do that? Whoever told you that saying that was appropriate? Why would you react that way, right? And that's just my wife talking about me, right? All people, all people are imperfect. But once again, this causes me to ask the question, am I realizing what the church really is and who it's really for? There's a quote that's gone around. I couldn't even tell you who said it originally. It's so widely attributed, but it just says this. Church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. So guess what? Where sinners are, sin will be. It's just the reality. All people are imperfect. This is why Jesus tells his followers, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Here's what I love about that is Jesus associates his presence with messy people. Jesus associates his presence with messy people. And so as a church, we need to associate our reality with messy people. We need to understand that when people get judgy about the type of people that come to our church, we gotta be okay taking that hit, okay? When people are like, well, I I wish pastor would have done this. Well, yeah, cool, guess what? Our pastors are not perfect, We wish our board would have said that. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Our board's not perfect either. Well, hey, I wish somebody, my team lead in first impressions was like kinder. Yeah, you know what? They they might've had a bad day. We need to continue to associate Jesus's presence with messy people and we need to stop expecting perfection from imperfection. All we do when we expect the church to be perfect is set ourselves up for frustration. So here we go. 
what's our responsibility with church hurt? We know what it is and what it isn't. We've talked about why it happens, but what's our responsibility? What do we as a church do with church hurt? The first thing we can do is maybe we need to let it go. Maybe we need to let it go. Now hear me, I'm not minimizing legit church hurt. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you ever realize how sometimes when you're in community with people, you can make a mountain out of a molehill? How you can take something small and because it's not dealt with, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I, I know for me, typically when I feel the most angry is when I'm driving. And it's because I think the average person's IQ drops about 20 points when they get behind the wheel, except for mine. Mine actually goes up a little bit because uh, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty close, all right? And I remember a, a couple of years ago, I was in the car and I was with my, my middle child, Elliot, who was about two at the time. And I'm driving and, and people are peopling, right? They're being neat and they're driving really well, doing a great job, cutting you off and going really slow and then slamming on their brakes. Like they're just, they're peopling. And I'm just grumbling. I'm just, I don't even know what I was saying, but it was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. and all of a sudden from the back seat, I hear my two-year-old in his car seat going, bah, 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 bah. And I went, maybe I should stop it right now. <clears throat> there are times when it comes to the hurt that we feel, we just gotta stop. We just gotta find a way to let it go because maybe just maybe it's not actually that big of a deal. And here's what I'll tell you. In the church, we have to realize that this is something that Jesus is building, which means Satan is actively trying to tear it down. And so many times, here's what I believe about Satan is he knows, Satan knows he can't destroy our church, but he can distort your view of it. Satan can't destroy our church, but he can distort your view of it. This is why the little things become big things. This is why something that if it were just about anywhere else, you wouldn't think it was a big deal, right? Somebody flips you off in the parking lot at Walmart, you don't go, I've got Walmart hurt, Right? Well, guess what? Walmart doesn't have an eternal enemy trying to tear it apart. That's what the people of Walmart do, right? And so we have a real enemy in the church that wants to really attack and really harm what Jesus is trying to build. So we can let it go. But the second thing we can do, and this is my favorite one, is we can lean into it. Like, hey, maybe with church hurt, it's not time to let it go. Maybe it's time to let go. Okay, here we go. And we're leaning into the church hurt. Because many times what happens is things don't get better because they don't get addressed. Things can't get better because we wanna pretend they're not there. But we need to realize that confrontation is healthy, not just for a marriage relationship, not just for your relationship with your kids, but confrontation is healthy in the church. Sometimes it just needs to be addressed because as you can see on the screen, confrontation is crucial. Like it is mission critical that if we're gonna be the church God has called us to be, we have to be willing to confront some things in us and around us. Confrontation is crucial because if I won't confront or you won't confront, we can't get better. If we don't confront and we just act like it's not a problem, people get hurt. If we don't confront, our church can't grow spiritually. Our church probably won't grow numerically for long. Confrontation is crucial. So how do we handle confrontation? Well, I love that Jesus meets us right where we are and he lets us know if you have conflict in the church, you have confrontation in the church, here's how you handle it. 
In Matthew 18, Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. In other words, it might just be like, hey, here's what you did. This really hurt me. And they go, oh, I didn't even realize I did that. I am so sorry. You might've just won them back just by bringing it up. He says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat the person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. In other words, Jesus says, when you have conflict, you go to them privately. You go to them privately with other people. You take it to the church. And then sometimes you have to do this last thing, which is another way you have to deal with church hurt, is sometimes you have to leave it behind. Sometimes you have to leave it behind. I would love to tell you as a pastor that like every time you get hurt here, it's gonna be able to be fixed. Sometimes it might not. I will tell you that those times are the rare exception. Those times are few and far between. These are the times not when you don't like the color of the carpet. These are the times when abuse is happening. These are the times when something illegal is happening. And I'll tell you from firsthand experience, um, I've pastored in four churches, two of the four, one of them is not here, had something not just immoral, but illegal happening in the church that we found out about. It does happen. Sometimes you just have to leave it behind But even leaving it behind, here's what I really, really, really need you to hear, is while we might leave a local church, we never leave the local church, ever. And I know that sounds harsh because we're in a day and age where it's so cool to say, well, I'm figuring things out and I don't need the local expression of a church body. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't care if you come to a local church sitting in chairs like this, if you come to a local church sitting at tables like we do on Thursday night, if you go to a local church like my friends have started where they're meeting in living rooms and they're gathering in parks and they're doing things. I don't care what expression of the local church you go to. We do not have the permission to leave the local church ever. Because once again, This is something that Jesus not only started, but he promises to build. And if he's gonna build it, I wanna be there with him. This, the church is his church, it's his bride, it's his initiative. How arrogant do I have to be to think that I can just give up on that thing? Doesn't mean you don't leave a local church, it just means you don't leave the local church because I won't give up on what Jesus promises to build. It's never acceptable. And I know that sounds once again so hard and so counterintuitive, But let's just be honest, sometimes when people leave a local church, they're just looking for a reason to get out. There are so many healthy, great local churches. And I'll tell you this, when people would come to our church plant and they wouldn't like our church, I wouldn't tell them like, hey, good luck, figure it out. I would ask them the question, what kind of church are you looking for? Oh, hey, so like, for example, when somebody came in in a suit to our church, we were meeting in the basement of an elementary school. Didn't see a lot of suits, okay? So I just kind of started from the beginning going, there's a chance, a chance they might not really like this thing. So what I do is I'd say, hey, what was your experience? What'd you think? You know, they'd be affirming. They'd say, I just, I just don't know if this is the fit for us. Hey, can I introduce you to a couple of my friends? Because while we might leave a local church, we are never permitted to leave the local church. So here's our responsibility when it comes to church hurt. All of that to get here because we individually and collectively have a responsibility and this is what it is. Let's be what we want to see. Let's be what we wanna see. 
You wanna be a part of a healthy local church? Guess what? You are a part of a healthy local church. You are a part of building a healthy local church. You are a part of creating a culture that makes a difference in the world. Let's be what we want to see. And I know many times if you ask the church, like what's the church here for? That we're gonna talk a lot about saving souls, but can I tell you, while we should focus on seeing people saved, what we really need to focus on is the culture we're building together. I listened to a, a podcast this week and this guy who he coaches some incredible high level uh, college football coaches from all these programs that have won national championships. And he'll tell you a winning coach, what they do is they don't focus on winning. They focus on culture. Because here's the reality about culture is that if we get our culture right inside the church, we will impact the culture outside the church. If we get our culture right inside the church, we will impact the culture outside the church. This is why it's so important when we talk about welcome home and we're all about real relationships, life-changing community. Those aren't just words that make RLC up, right? These aren't just things that sound cool and sound neat. This is the mission God's given us. And this is why we talk about culture and we're gonna kick off a series next week that I'm so excited about, talking about some leadership core values, some core values that our church has. And really, these are the things that build the culture of our church. I love that we're a church that say we value love and that people matter. Because you know why? A lot of people can go places and never feel like they matter. I love that we're a church that says we value unity and that we're better together. Because the reality is we know that individually, none of us are all that great. But when we're together, we can be a part of something bigger than ourselves, making a difference in Wadsworth, in Akron, in other communities. It's possible. I love that as a church, we value passion. It's so easy to be apathetic about things. It's so easy to let a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the local church become routine. It's so easy. You could do it in no time. And yet Jesus gives us this example of if somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them a second mile, because what does passion look like? It looks like going beyond what people expect. Going beyond where other people would quit, other people would stop. We just keep going because we're passionate about this thing. I love that we're a part of a church that values attitude. That when a lot of people wanna stop, we can say, hey, we, we got this, we can do this, I can. We understand that attitude is everything. I mean, we have the right attitude and approach towards God. Like Emily prayed earlier, right? Draw, come near to God and God will come near to you. Man, so much of that, it's not just physical posture, it's attitude. It says this thing, this is possible. We have to get our culture right inside the church if we wanna make an impact outside the church. So let's not just be what we wanna see, let's be the church the world needs to see. Let's be the church the world needs to see. It has never been more vital than right now that we are people who love God with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and who love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's be the church the world needs to see. You pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you make allowances for imperfect people, for the hurt that we experience, that you make allowances for things that, and, and really create space for things that many of us maybe 
aren't thrilled about, and yet they can actually be a restorative process for us. They can actually help us grow closer, not just to you, but closer to the people that we're in community with and in relationship with. I pray for my friends in this room and online who have experienced some very legitimate church hurt. Holy Spirit, help us to be better. I pray for some of my friends in this room who have maybe been claiming church hurt, but after today are realizing maybe there's a chance I've made a mountain out of a molehill. Help us to realize the spiritual attack that we're under when it comes to our relationship with the church. Help us to understand there's a real reason why we can wake up really early many other times, but when it comes time to wake up for church, it's just harder. Pray that you would help us to be the church not just that we want to see, but that the world needs to see. So Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. It's in your name we pray, amen.